Well, hello, my friends. Welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett. We are so excited to be on Tuesday, part two of Will God Take Me Back? We're looking at the book of Hosea. And by way of introduction, there is a book written by Ann Spangler called Sitting at the Feet of Rabbi Jesus. And in this book, she explores the Jewish culture and the heritage of Jesus and how that influenced his life and how his ministry and the Jewish culture has influenced our understanding of the Gospels. In his book, she writes about traveling to Israel and being fascinated by the ritual and the symbolism of the Jewish faith. She observed something very interesting during that particular flight. She says, I tried not to stare. As a bearded man, three rows ahead of me, stood up, and began carefully winding long strips of leather around his arm. He was observing a daily custom common among Orthodox Jews, binding small boxes called tefillin to both head and arm. These boxes contained parchment scrolls inscribed with the ancient command recorded in Deuteronomy 6, 6 6-8. And Moses writes, These commands that I give to you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them to your children. Tie them about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Now, as the young man wound those dark strands of leather around his arm, I could hear him speaking in Hebrew, she said. Later, I learned that he was echoing the words from Hosea. Hosea chapter 2, verses 19 and 20. I will betroth you to me forever. I will betroth you in righteousness and justice, in love and in compassion. I will betroth you in faithfulness, and you will acknowledge the Lord. She continues by saying, in the seat next to her was a teenage girl, piously bent over looking at her prayer book. When she wasn't sleeping through the long flight, she was reading and praying, rocking rhythmically back and forth as she read and meditated on the Hebrew words. Later, I asked a white-haired rabbi that had met in Israel about this practice called devining, the rocking motion during prayer. And she discovered it is a way of expressing that one's whole self body, and soul is caught up with God. The old rabbi explained that the movement of the body mimics the flickering flame of a candle, calling to mind the saying that the candlestick of God is the soul of a man. This young teenage girl was reflecting the fact that she had a relationship with God. As we continue our study, Will God take me back? We're looking at the book of Hosea. Yesterday, we covered chapter number one. Today, we're in chapter number two. In chapter number one, we learned that Hosea was asked by the Lord to go and marry a promiscuous woman, to have children with her, and she was going to be an adulterous wife, and she was guilty, just as Israel was guilty of being unfaithful to the Lord. As a result of that union, God had a plan for that unfaithfulness, and that God was going to bring about punishment to the house of Israel. 
God was going to purge them in, in his relationship with them, and they were going to abandon God, and God was going to let them go. But we learned at the end of the broadcast yesterday that even in the midst of that, God had a promise. God had a plan in place to bring about prosperity to his people. Today, we look at the product of unfaithfulness in Hosea chapter 2. In Hosea chapter 2, we discover there's this cycle that we go through when we're living in unfaithfulness. And when you're going through this cycle, it's the same old cycle. It hasn't changed. Ever since the fall of man, when we become unfaithful, we go through this cycle. And as we look at this cycle, Hosea chapter 2, beginning at verse number 1, Hosea says, Say to your brothers, my people, and your sisters, my loved one, rebuke your mother, rebuke her, for she is not my wife, and I am not her husband. Now, as you know, by chapter number 2, Hosea has learned that his wife has abandoned him, his wife has been unfaithful to him, and now he has lost contact with her. He still has contact, apparently, with the children of this adulterous affair, and he says to the children, rebuke your mother, verse number two, rebuke her, for she's not my wife, and I'm not her husband. Let her remove the adulterous look from her face and the unfaithfulness from between her breasts, or otherwise I will strip her naked, and I will make her as bare as the day that she was born. I will make her like a desert, turn her into a parched land, and slay her with thirst. I'll not show my love to her children, because they are the children of adultery. Their mother has been unfaithful, and she has conceived them in disgrace. She said, I will go after my lovers, who gave me my food and my water, my wool and my linen, my olive oil and my drink. Therefore, I will block her path with thorn bushes. I will wall her in so that she cannot find her way. And she will chase after her lovers, but not catch them. She will look for them, but not find them. Then she will say, I will go back to my husband as at first, for then I was better off than now. She has not acknowledged that I am the one who gave her the grain, the new wine and the oil, who lavished her with silver and gold, which they now used for Baal. As we look at this rebuke, it is a strong rebuke. It is a well-deserved rebuke. The children are to go confront their mother in her unfaithful ways. And we discover that Hosea is wanting these children to pass on this message that because of her unfaithfulness, that they were going to be stripped naked, that she was going to be stripped naked. Now, there's a parallel message again. This is the message for Israel. You know, some people will not respond when they see the light. And some people have to feel the heat before they change. Gomer was not seeing the light. She had abandoned her husband. She had that adulterous look on her face. She was unfaithful. As a result, judgment was going to fall. God was going to make her like a desert, turn her into a parched land, and they were going to be slaying her with thirst. They're not going to be showing the love to the next generation because they are not children of God. They are children of adultery. Because she was unfaithful, because she conceived them in disgrace, because she went after other lovers. There's an important point here in verses 5 and 6. Hosea, up to this point, 
had been providing for his wife, even though she was unfaithful. He was constantly providing for her because he had no contact with her. He was supplying her lovers with the resources to care for Gomar. Now, this is unbelievable when you think about it. It would be the equivalent of your wife being unfaithful to you and you going to the people that you knew that she was having this adulterous relationship with, and you would say to them, listen, my wife is accustomed to being well taken care of. I want to keep her in the lifestyle that she's accustomed to. Oh, I know that she's been unfaithful, but I still love her. I still want to provide for her. And so you give this guy who is cheating, taking your wife and cheating on her, and you provide the resources to him. And then he goes to your wife and says, here are some things that I want to give you, like they were gifts from him, like he was providing these gifts, and all the while they were coming from you. That's exactly what is happening in the nation of Israel. Did you know that when you're living a lifestyle of unfaithfulness, God doesn't immediately bring about judgment? The wheels of God's judgment turn slowly. He is very patient. He is hoping that the kindness of the Lord will continue. But what happened with the case of Gomar? She was receiving these gifts and receiving all of these wonderful blessings. Her vineyards were doing well. Her business was doing well. Her wool and linen and all that, oil, olive oil, everything was going great for her. But it was about to change. She thought that she was getting away with living in adultery. You ever wonder why your neighbor appears to be doing so well and they're far from God? and it appears like they're better off than you are, don't let your heart be troubled over that. God is being patient. God is hoping that they will turn, and God is giving them every opportunity possible to turn to God. You know, those who don't know Christ, the reason we should be so patient and kind with them is because those who die without Christ, the only heaven they will experience is right here on this earth. Uh, It's not going to get better for them in eternity. They're going to be separated from God. You know, for those of us who know Christ and love Christ, did you realize that the only hell we will experience is right here on this earth? This is as bad as it's going to get for us because the future is bright. So if you have to suffer a little bit for the cause of Christ, don't let that get you off track. Realize that it's a blessing to suffer for the Lord. Paul calls these our light and momentary afflictions that God is using to develop character in our lives. So be patient as you're going through these times, because for the believer, the only hell we're experiencing is right here on this earth. We discover that Gomer was about to be cut off from all of her blessings. She was going to continue on, even though she was cut off from these blessings. Verse number seven of chapter number two She will chase after her lovers, but not catch them. She will look for them, but not find them. They will say, I will go to my husband at first, for I was better off then and now. She did not acknowledge that I was the one who gave her the grain, the new wine, and the oil. I was the one that lavished on her the silver and the gold, which they used for Baal. So the cycle of unfaithfulness is number one, rebuke. When we're living in a lifestyle of unfaithfulness, God will always send his prophet into our lives that will speak the truth into our hearts. That's what happened with Gomar. There's something else that happens. 
The second cycle is what I would call rejection. Let's look at verse number 9 through 13 of Hosea chapter 2. Therefore, I will take away my grain when it ripens and my new wine when it is ready. I will take back my wool and my linen intended to cover her naked body. So now I will expose her lewdness before the eyes of her lovers. No one will take her out of my hands. I will stop all the celebrations, her yearly feast, her her new moons, her Sabbaths, all her appointed festivals. I will ruin her vines, her fig trees, which she said were her pay from her lovers. I will make them a thicket, and wild animals will devour them. I will punish her for the days that she burned insides to the bales. She decked herself with rings and jewelry and went after other lovers. But me, she forgot, declares the Lord. Or you could say, me, she rejected, declares the Lord. You see, after being confronted by her children about her rebellious ways, she rejects their rebuke. And now, as a result of being rejected, we discover that the the pressure is going to be put on her, and she's going to lose everything. She's going to lose her feasts and her, her festivals, and she's going to be living out in the wilderness, and uh, she's going to lose her vines and her fig trees, and all those things that she thought she was earning that was paid from her lovers. She's going to lose it all as a result of losing it all. And she's going to become broken. She's going to become destitute. You know, the life of a promiscuous woman may sound alluring and exciting at first, but the end always leaves brokenness. Gomar is now at the point where she's lost everything. She's lost all of her resources. She's lost all of her allure to be attractive Now, she's lost everything, and she is now at the bottom of the barrel. We look at the third cycle in unfaithfulness. The first is the rebuke. The second is the rejection. But then there is a restoration that takes place. Chapter 2, verse number 14. Therefore, I am now going to allure her. I will lead her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. There I'll give her back her vineyards. I will make the valley of Achor a a door of hope. There she will respond as in, in the days of her youth, as in the day she came out of Egypt. In that day, declares the Lord, you will call me my husband. You will no longer call me my master. I will remove the names of Baal, from her lips, and no longer will their names be invoked. In that day, I will make a covenant for them with the beasts of the field and the birds of the sky and the creatures that move along the ground. Bow and sword and battle, I will abolish from the land so that they all may lie down in safety. I will betroth you forever. I will betroth you in righteousness and in justice and love and compassion. I will betroth you in faithfulness, and you will acknowledge the Lord. In that day, I will respond, declares the Lord. I will respond to the skies, and they will respond to the earth, and the earth will respond to the grain and the new wine and the olive oil, and they will respond to Jezreel. I will plant her for myself in a land. I will show my love to the one I called 
not my loved. I will say to those called not my people, uh, you are my people, and they will say, you are my God. Do you see what has happened here? Gomar has hit bottom, uh, losing the blessings of Hosea. She's no longer able to have resources. Her crops are failing. Her source of income has dried up. She is walled in, and now she's no longer attractive. Her health now is, she's falling apart physically, emotionally, and spiritually. This once attractive Gomar, who men would pay money to spend time with, now nobody wants to touch her with a 10-foot pole. She finds herself in a, in a very precarious situation, unable to pay her debts. She goes into the slave market. She's put up on the slave market. Now, nobody appears to be bidding on her. But then in marches Hosea. I get into my mind what Hosea must have went through as he's looking at that slave auction. And he's wondering, I wonder if my wife is here. And he begins scouring the scores and scores of people getting ready to be auctioned on the auction block. He probably sees this woman who is downed in the dirt, maybe bruised and uh, maybe dirty and, and very unattractive. Her body is now bearing the marks of living the life of a promiscuous woman. This once highly attractive, highly successful The woman that every man wanted to be with, now nobody wants her. She is totally rejected. She's probably dirty and filthy down in the muck and the mire, too ashamed to even lift up her head. She's now being auctioned off. Hosea probably got down on his hands and knees and and looked at Gomar and says, Is that you, Uh, my lover? Is that you, Gomar? Oh, I think it is. Their eyes meet, and Gomar decides to make a change. He says, I'm going to do something here. I'm going to bid on my wife. I'm going to buy her back. Nobody is bidding on her, but I'm going to pay the full price of a slave, the equivalent of 30 pieces of silver. Isn't it ironic? That's exactly what Jesus was sold to when he was betrayed by Judas, 30 pieces of silver. You see, Hosea was going to be reconciled with his wife. Hosea was going to pay the cost to redeem her. Hosea was going to pay the price to get her out of the slave market. And although she was worth nothing in the eyes of humanity, to Hosea, she was worth everything. Although she was unattractive, there was nothing redeemable about her. There was nothing that was beautiful about her. But Hosea loved Gomar. Gomar was the apple of his eye. Even though she had been unfaithful, Gomar needed the love of Hosea, and Hosea gave that love unconditionally. Now, when I think about this story, verse number 14 says, I am going to allure her. Jose is taking the actions. He is putting everything on the table. Gomar's not looking for Hosea, but Hosea's looking for Gomar. And I want you to know, 
By nature, we're not looking for a relationship with God. We are hiding from Him. Going back to the story of Adam and Eve, do you remember when they fell into sin? They began to hide themselves. They covered themselves with fig leaves and they hid in the cool of the morning when they heard the Lord in the garden. God says, hey, Adam, Adam, where are you? God is not crying out to Adam because God doesn't know where Adam is. God knows exactly where Adam is. God's not hiding from Adam. Adam is hiding from God. God allures Adam and Eve and goes after them. He says, I know that you've eaten of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he asked them the question, not because he didn't know the answer, because he wanted them to acknowledge that they had fallen into sin. You see, you can never get victory over your sin until you acknowledge sin. When we acknowledge our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. As long as we're playing the cover-up game, we will never receive pardon for our sins. As we look at verse number 23, there's a major change that has taken place. Hosea says, I will plant for her for myself in the land. I will show my love to the one called not my loved one. I will say to those who are not my people, you are my people, and they will say, you are my God. See, the the name's changed. Uh, There's a new name given to the children of Gomar. Originally, they were called Lo Ruhmaha, which means not my people. Now the Lo is dropped, and God's saying, Arumaha, you are my people. You are my loved ones. You see, that's what God does. He brings us back into relationship with him, and he changes our names. Well, we've got to look at the last chapter of the book of Hosea. When we look at the last chapter in the book of Hosea, uh, um, the story that we're covering, Hosea 3, rather, we see the power of reconciliation. I want you to join me tomorrow for the, this third and final point. But I want to close with an illustration that I think will help you grasp the, the significance of the story of Hosea 1, 2, and 3. And I'm going to call it the power of a father's example. Pastor James Riley tells his story when he was two years old, his father was sent to prison. When he was seven, authorities placed him in an orphanage. At age 19, he had a car wreck that killed a friend. He decided to sell drugs to raise the money that he needed for his legal fees, and unfortunately, the law finally caught up with him. He was arrested, charged with a felony, and sent to prison. While in prison, James accepted Christ, and after he had served some time in prison, he was eventually able to go home, but uh, he decided to go to Bible college and, and eventually ended up in ministry. Years later, he sought out his father to reconcile with him. And when they got together, the conversation turned to the prison life. James' father asked him, well, which prison were you in? James told him, and his father was taken back. The father said, I helped build that prison, he said. He had been a welder who went from place to place building prisons. 
Pastor Riley concluded, I was in a prison my father built. You know, a father's example builds a place to live for his children. Now the question is, the house that you're building, will it be a house or will it be a prison? Join me tomorrow for part three of Will God Take Me Back? The resounding answer is yes, he will take you back. But there's always conditions when he takes us back. We're going to conclude tomorrow by talking about the power of reconciliation and how God can take a broken life and put it back together again. You know, every Thursday morning, we have a season of prayer from 5 a.m. to 6 a.m. We do it on a conference call. And it would be my highest honor to pray for you on our Thursday morning prayer meeting. If you have a request that you'd like me to pray over, would you shoot me a text message at 252-267-2365? 252-267-2365. Thank you for joining me today. I look forward to part number three, Will God Take Me Back? If you'd like to hear this broadcast again, you can have a free download at buzzsprout.com backslash 1890557, or you can listen on Amazon, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are 9 a.m. and 1030 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, go to hrcc7.org. And remember, no matter what you're going through, in Jesus Christ, there is always hope for your heart.